CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square on this expiration Friday. And look who stuck around for options action, Mr. Guy Adami himself. We've got a big show on deck. Here's what's coming up. Stocks are flying high. But Dan Nathan says there's one stock that may have run a little too far, too fast. He'll break it down. Plus, video game stocks have been glitching. But Mike Coe says there's one name that is about to re-up on lives. He'll tell us what that is, and later. It's the ultimate tag team. Guy Adami and Mike Coe coming at you with the ultimate play on one soaring media stock. You don't want to miss it. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. Let's get right to it because stocks are in rally mode. The Dow soaring more than 400 points today, closing out its eighth straight week in the green. The surge off the low, sending a number of Dow stocks back to their 52-week highs. Boeing, Cisco, Merck, Nike, all on a tear. But Dan says one of these stocks may have run a little too far too fast. He's at the plasma breaking it all down. Dan. Yeah, so Mel, you know, one of the things I want to focus on here is just the market and why it rallied almost 2.5% this week, the S&P 500, closing um, above its 200-day moving average this week for the first time since that first week in December, right after the G20 meeting when the president declared that he had some sort of deal with China. We didn't have that deal, and the market flushed. This is the one-week chart here. We obviously closed on the high of the week. Let's just go to the S&P 500, the one-year chart we're talking about. There's the 200-day moving average. This is when we declared some sort of victory after the G20. Well, you saw what happened there. We had a flush in the S&P 500. We're back towards these levels. I know a lot of people are tagging that 2800 as a resistance level. But one of the things that kind of caught my eye are some of these stocks that have actually more than made up from those early December uh, highs. And they're all the way back to their prior highs. And one of those names is Nike. And Nike's interesting to me because back in the throes of that sell-off on December 20th, Nike released earnings that were really kind of eye-popping. Their growth in China, revenue growth year over year, was 31% better than expected, 14% in Europe and 9% in the U.S. The stock then was in the high 60s, so we're talking about in here. It obviously went lower as the market made lows, but it's kind of ricocheted all the way back here. It caught a little technical resistance here today. One of the reasons I want to look at this stock is the reasons for why the market is rallying right now. One of those is obviously we averted this government shutdown. The next one is some sort of hope of another trade deal or at least a push out of those March 1st tariffs. Okay, so let's just focus on a little bit some of the names that might actually benefit from that. And you'd say Nike would be one. Obviously, uh, China is a big growth area, but it hasn't held the stock up. And so one of the things that I think just like we had in early December, you could have a sell the news, even if they just push out these tariffs, these future tariffs. And we might see Nike, who gave guidance on December 20th, we may see them temper that guidance when they report in the third week of March. Right here, this is really important. I know Guy will speak to this in a little bit. Nike's trading on a PE level um, at about a 10-year high, 32 times. Now, obviously, this is a company that is growing faster than uh, S&P earnings. They're expected to grow in the mid-teens and 18% next year, but it trades 32 times this year, 27 times next year. Even if we have a push out of this tariff thing, we're going to still have tariffs and we're still going to have some headwinds to global growth. That's one of the reasons why I think you could see Nike maybe give a slightly more 
more cautious uh, commentary than they did back in uh, December. Okay. Lastly, let's move on right here. This is the price of options. Implied volatility in Nike. Short-dated options have come down to about 22%, obviously more than in half of where they were in December. This makes long premium directional trades kind of attractive if you have an inclination on a move. Here's the trade. I think Nike has the potential to be rejected here in the mid-80s and maybe move its way back towards 85, using earnings as that catalyst in March. Obviously, we have no idea what the outcome is going to be of this trade situation. I don't think we're going to have a clean deal anytime soon. So I want to look out to April expiration when Nike was trading at 85 and a quarter. You could buy the April 85.75 put spread, paying $2.50 for that, buying one of the April 85 puts for $3.10, selling one of the April 75 puts at 60 cents. Again, it costs you 250. Your break even's at 82 and a half. You can make up to 750 between 82 half and 75. I like the risk reward, risking two and a half to possibly make 750 if the stock is back in the mid 70s where it was just a month ago. And I like the risk reward of this trade. All right, why don't you come on back over? Yeah, bring him back. Well, that was a tremendous job. Right. And that was five minutes um, of magic there. We do want to go to Mike Coe, though, to see what he thinks about Dan's uh, magic at the plasma. What do you think of Dan's trade, Mike? Yeah, I think he actually was really hitting on the key point here, which is the price of options relative to how much the stock could potentially move around between now and expiration, a period which does capture earnings, does capture some of the tariff uncertainty. And by the way, let's bear in mind that some of this growth story coming as it does from China, even if you don't have any kind of a trade-related issue, what you do have also is you have, you're hinged to the global growth story. Even as U.S. consumers might be strong, it all, you also have to rely on strength overseas. This is a stock that typically moves over a comparable amount of time, encapsulating earnings nearly 10%, and he's spending about 3% of the current stock price to make a directional bet. So you can think about it this way, if you're going to make a directional bet, right or wrong, right now the price of options actually is indicating that you're much better off doing a trade like this one rather than either buying the stock or shorting the stock. The one question I would have for him is that lower strike put, I wonder whether it really makes sense to sell that given how cheap options are relative to the price moves that you would see over comparable periods of time. Yeah, I mean, Mike, that makes sense. Obviously, it's less than 1% of the stock price. It's so far out of the money here. Um, it's just kind of giving me that nice symmetry of risking 25 to make 750 a quarter of the width of the spread. So thanks for calling me out, brother. He's not calling you out. He's just He's saying are you out. getting paid enough so to take the risks it. associated with it. I understand because I mean, I watched this show religiously now for I the know. last 10 years. So now is it my turn? Yes. yes. I, I, I don't know speak. how it works. I don't do the show Go ahead, Guy. What do you think? What do you so think I will Nike? say this. I, I happen to agree with everything Dan said at the top of the show. Valuation at 28 times forward earnings, you have to say, how is that justified in this environment? I don't think it is. But you go back to last quarter, December 20th, that quarter seemingly came out of nowhere. Inventories were only up a percent. They had 9.5% sales growth. Their margins hung in there. Their buying back stock took everybody by surprise. And the stock was correctly rewarded for it. Went from 67 to where it is now. But you have to ask yourself, can they do it again, I believe, on March 20th? And my answer is no, especially if you believe, like I do, we are absolutely due now for a change in the market tone. The market needs to sort of do a back and fill at some point, And high flyers like Nike won't be, uh, won't be a safe place to be, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, one thing that really struck me about that uh, Nike guidance and the commentary about China was that two weeks later, Apple, 
Apple just gave this guidance that was atrocious, revenue guidance, and they really spoke to um, China weakness in particular. So to me, I just think there's a good chance since they last reported that the, to- the tenor has changed a little bit, the stock has performed, it's trading very rich to its peers and the market. I wouldn't be buying this stock for a breakout, and this option trade has a good risk reward to the downside here. All right, from sneakers to gaming, Electronic Arts getting a boost this week as it hits uh, its new hit, Apex Legends game, gives the stock some new life. Still, the video game stocks have gotten wrecked over the last six months. Take two, Activision, EA, all down double digits. Mike, though, says there's one name in the group that's about to level up. So what are you looking at, Mike? Yeah, and it's actually interesting you use the term level up because that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking at Activision, which is probably better known to a lot of people who are watching because they do Candy Crush, Call of Duty, some of those well-known games. But, of course, Fortnite and some others have sort of taken their place. And one of the things we're seeing after a prolonged period of increasing revenues, they had a disappointment. The company is talking about doing a little bit of restructuring and some layoffs. And they're actually forecasting revenues for full year 2019 that are going to look a little bit more like what they did in 2016. So obviously, in order to achieve essentially the same income, they're going to have to do uh, some pretty good downsizing essentially to accomplish it. That said, I think some of the worst may be in if you look at the valuation that you saw back in 2016. And to do that, you're going to see a pullback maybe to around the 40 level. So the trade I was looking at, not one that we talk about that often, was a one by two put spread, the 42 and a half, 40 strike, one by two put spread in April. You would spend $1.85 to buy those 42 and a half puts, then sell two of the 40s against it for $1.05. Net net, you're actually going to collect a 25 cent credit. Here's the thing about a trade like this we're trying to take advantage of the fact that options premiums are expensive. If the stock just levels off here, it's actually going to decay away. You're going to get paid over time to own the trade right here. If the stock were to pull back to about 40, which, by the way, would get you back to that 2016 valuation, and we're looking for comparable revenues, that would be essentially the peak profits that you would see on this trade. And worst case, if the stock actually fell, you're going to own it at 40, but your net cost of purchasing it is going to be down near 37 and a quarter. So you have an opportunity potentially to buy it at a discount to where it's currently trading. You can get paid if the stock just basically sits right here, taking advantage of elevated options premiums. And I would also point out, earnings comes after April expiration. So that's the other reason why we might expect it basically to level off here. And, you know, we'll let Guy speak to this. I think the charts don't look particularly enticing, and that's one of the reasons why we might do a trade like this, even though we do think valuations are starting to get compelling. I, oh, is it Dan's turn? Yeah, it is Guy. He said Guy, you know, and guy. then I just heard my Listen, name. I've been like sitting a, in this for 10 years on Friday at 5.30. I think I get the trade. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, you know, Mike's idea here is really interesting. You, you know, you took something that had this massive, massive move over the last few months. Um, it's got a lot of news out. The guidance was actually atrocious. Expectations could be low enough now. So Mike is actually pairing this fundamental view with an options trade that makes actually a lot of sense. Look at the range in which the worst-case scenario you own this stock in two months down at 37 and a half. I would just mention this. The way that Electronic Arts, EA, ricocheted after its really bad guidance, you know, this trade almost sets up decently or a similar sort of trade if you're inclined to sell puts is maybe a risk reversal selling puts and buying calls and paying for a ricochet move higher. But Mike's trade does well in a lot of different scenarios, especially because he's taking it a credit. And if it goes higher, he has that credit. In the worst case, he's put way down below the market. Guy. It's my turn now. now. It's, now it's nobody fun. said I wore my OA jacket. You look great. I got outfitted with this earlier today. Do the 
So I get to talk now. Yes. Okay, so I actually agree with Mike Coe. Surprise, surprise. Go back to the beginning of 2017 and look where Activision took off from. Not surprisingly, around 37 and a half, the number that Mike just gave you. And the stock has not traded particularly well. It's not like it's bounced all that much. Stock's going from basically 80 down to 44 with an area bounce. I think there is further downside. However, if you want to play it from the long side in the space, Look at what Take-Two has done over the same period of time. Bottomed out the same level we saw back in March on huge volume, the same type of volume we saw in March. I think if you're looking for a pairs trade, if you want to have exposure in the space, you long the equity in Take-Two and you put on this brilliant options trade that both Mike and Dan just spoke to in Activision. Mike, last word, maybe commentary yeah, on this uh, pair trade? Yeah, well, I, I, I like that idea that's uh, even more complicated than the things we normally try to come up <laughs> no, with here, but sorry. I like that idea. Here's the thing, I will say to Dan's point, to the risk reversal idea, you're looking for a catalyst in a trade like that. You're going to get one, but after the expiration of this trade. So that actually would be the follow-on trade going into earnings, which are going to report in late April after this trade expires. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. I know that Guy has studied it all night just to prepare for today's show. Here's what's coming up. Mike and Guy are best pals, and they're teaming up to give you a trade on one media stock they think could break out even higher. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action Time for a little trader tag team. It's been a while, so here's how it's going to work. Guy is over at the Plasma. He's going to pitch a stock that he likes, and then Mike is going to help him on the trade. All right, Guy, what are you looking at? Well, last night we had a great conversation about CBS, and we looked at each other, Karen agreed, and I said, you know what, this move to the downside too much, the stock is too cheap. So what is the first thing I look at? Exactly that, valuation. At seven and a half, eight times forward earnings, CBS is too cheap. Everybody loves Disney. Well, if you love Disney at 15 and a half times, in my opinion, you got to give CBS a shot at eight. That's number one. Number two, the point I made earlier, traded well on bad news. Yes, it wasn't a great earnings release. Didn't say some of the things you wanted to hear. The initial reaction to the stock was lower. But look where it traded today, traded extraordinarily well. And you're going to say, wait a second there, wise guy. Market was up 400 points. Yeah, I know that. I was around today, too. I caught that move. But guess what? CBS was trading well long in advance of that. When it trades well on bad news, that's a tell as well. Last one, well, I think this is pretty obvious to everybody. We talk about it all the time. There's huge potential out there in the environment that we find ourselves in for M&A. And I think you're going to see it there. I don't know what CBS looks like a year from now, but I think it's going to look like two things. Higher stock price. Two things, right. There you go. So with that, I'm going to tap my friend Mike Coe on the other side of the country in San Francisco and see if he can sort of push back, have a trade, little options thing. Mike, are you there? I hope. 
I'm here, and Guy, I got a question for you, because taking a look at that chart, it looks to me like 60 could be a potential area of resistance. Would you agree with that? I, uh, 100%. And you know what? If you get 60 here, that's a nice little trade. So I think if you're looking for a bounce like I am, I think 60 would be a tremendous exit point. Makes sense for a lot of reasons, not only in terms of valuation, but in terms of technicals as well. So that was the level I was sort of identifying. Right now, I think you could look to the June 50, 60 call spread. When I was looking at this earlier today, those June 50 calls were about $3.30. You could sell the 60s against it for just 50 cents. But the reason I'm willing to sell those calls is because, to me, it looks like it would be quite a stretch for the stock to breach that level. It looks like there's some resistance around 59.75. The other thing I would quickly point out here, too, the stock was over 50 when I was looking at this, so these 50 strike calls were actually slightly in the money. When you take a look at this, you're spending $2.80 for a trade that's already 50 cents in the money. And the reason you would look to options rather than just buying the stock, we can see what the market has done, and more specifically what CBS has done lately. It has made a very sharp move. If, for whatever reason, we happen to get this bet wrong, you're betting a relatively small amount of the stock price. This is a way you can commit less capital to the trade, take less risk, but still get participation essentially to the upside for all that I think the stock would be capable of between now and June expiration. Grade the tag team and then grade well, the trade. First thing, you can tell I'm in a bit of a mood here, okay? Because the Professor Co. called me out on selling that downside put in Nike, and he's talking about M&A and CBS, and you're selling an out-of-the-money call against a call that you own for 1% of the stock price. Mike, come on, buddy. I mean, listen. Wow. Okay, yeah. So the option I'm set. well, first of all, let's take a look at the strike. Okay, that's a $60 strike versus, say, a 70-some-odd-dollar strike. So we're both selling premium yeah. around the same levels. The other thing is that this is a situation where we've identified a specific area of resistance. We're trying to keep that options premium that we're spending, the extrinsic premium, down. Remember, that $3.30 option that we're talking about, that's not all extrinsic premium. We really want to think about that as a function of how much out-of-the-money premium we're spending there. So this is getting a little bit wonky, but it's an option show. We should be allowed to do that. This is the idea here. We're trying to mitigate some of the decay that the option has, mitigate some of the downside risk that the stock has, and identify essentially an area where we would be looking to exit it if we even get this right. That would be a 20% move to the upside. Yeah. That would be pretty strong. Yeah, listen, I, I mean, I think Guy's valuation call, and I think for the potential catalysts, make a lot of sense. And I think to define your risk makes a lot of sense. I think that most of the bad news is likely in the stock right here, but there's still a lot of uncertainty. So I like the width in which you define to the upside um, to play this thing, because any positive catalyst, you will have this thing in the mid-50s pretty soon. Good experience, Guy. Another good tag team. Tremendous. At the first one we did, I think we worked out extraordinarily well. I don't remember, don't remember what it trade. was. I'm sure the crack staff in <laughs> yeah. EC will tell right. me in my ear at some point. Coming up, Coca-Cola shares falling flat this week. Our Mike Co. will tell you how to turn that frown back into a smile. Stick around for his Coke recovery trade. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. More options action still ahead. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Mike and Carter predicted Coca-Cola would deliver a sweet earnings result. If you leave the bottom trend line on and put it in a descending um, upper line, you have 
the setup that I think is ultimately the breakout. I'm just looking at the May 49 calls. You could spend $1.60 for those when I was looking at this earlier today. It obviously represents a relatively small percentage of the current stock price. Instead of bubbling up, the stock fell flat, sinking around 9% this week. Now, you may have noticed that Carter isn't on the desk tonight, but we were able to track him down in the Cayman Islands. Here's what he had to say. Seriously, look, he sent a postcard. Coke pulled up lame this week, dropping on earnings instead of popping as we anticipated. First loss, best loss. Close out and move on. Got milk? (laughs) All right, Mike, what do you do from here? You know, sometimes we try to make more, sometimes we try to risk less. We did risk less. That's the only good news here. We lost about $1.35 on those calls versus the four and a quarter you would have lost on the stock. Blow it out. That's the only thing we can do here. All right, let's move on. Last month, Dan said UPS could get a boost from the latest trade talks between the U.S. and China. There will be some sort of announcement that pushes out further um, things or something that kind of works on that trade balance. That should be good for UPS. You could buy the February, March 105 call calendar, paying $1 for that, selling one of the February 105 calls at $1, buying two, uh, one of the March 105 calls for $2. So UPS is up around 9% since then, and the first leg of this trade expired today. So what do you do, Dan? Yeah, so this is a good example of kind of having a thesis fundamentally, um, having getting the direction right, and kind of getting the trade wrong. This stock after earnings did go to 105. That's the strikes. That was the level in which I was targeting prior to um, February expiration. So here's the thing. The stock at 110.87 today, that short February strike, is basically trading at cash. If you're short that one of those, you're assigned 100 shares. But the trade was also long one of the March 105 calls. So the trade is basically a wash here. You had an opportunity to take some profits right after earnings, um, but this is a, a trade that needs to be managed prior to expiration. Directionally, though, at this point, now that we've gotten the warning from XPO Logistics, I what would you do? I think the stock act well relative to that, too. Okay. And then you look at FedEx and you saw the news today. Um, you know, UPS, cheap stock, I think it's like kind of well positioned. If you get some decent news and kind of some reaffirmation of the potential for global growth in the second half of this year to be better than the first half, this is a stock that should benefit. That's a big if. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Final call time, Mike. CBS is cheap. June 50-60 call spread is cheaper. Dan. Yeah, Nike, I like April put spreads. Guy. Can I tell you, it's just an honor to be here on set. It's with great the to have you. Carter's in the Caymans. I hope he's watching. Have a nice long weekend. Have a nice weekend. See you back here next Friday. Meantime, Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.